What's up, OBR Film Breakdown listeners? Before we get to today's show, just a reminder about the $100 in free bets over at the number one sportsbook, FanDuel Sportsbook. Use the promo code OBR today to claim that $100 in free bets. Again, that's promo code OBR at FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, President Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio on 1-1-2023. Unique user identification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now, the latest on the OBR Film Breakdown podcast. Hey guys, welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. It's your Thursday, December 5th. Man, we're almost halfway through December already. It's wild. This is the OBR Film Breakdown. Your host, Jake Burns. We are presented by FanDuel. You're probably tired of hearing me say the same things about FanDuel, but I'm just trying to get you guys to sign up and use that promo code. 100 bucks. We're like like 16 days away if my math is right, and I'm not great at math, but 16 days away from some live betting here. So take advantage of it. It's going to happen on 1-1-23, but you can't take advantage of it after... The, the date turns to the new year. You got to take advantage of it before it's a sign up uh, promo uh, offering. So take advantage of that. Listen, we're talking about gambling and I'm bringing on Jordan Zerm and we're going to kind of push off what we normally do and go around the NFL. And we're going to talk about Kevin Stefanski, which today our boy Ben Axelrod, who Ben is just a distributor of information, decided to put out there that I think I don't know which sports book it is, but Kevin Stefanski now with the second highest odds to be the next coach fired. I can't even remember who he was trailing. Um, oh, it doesn't Nathan- really. Nathaniel Hackett. Nathaniel Hackett. Trailing. Okay, got it. Perfect. That's very, actually very ironic similar, because similar of similar the... coaches, Jake. Similar coaches. Yeah, similar coaches with similar quarterbacks, according to some people. Um, well, first off, Jordan, what's up, man? How's your How's your Wednesday as we record this? Is Is life good out, out on the left coast? Yeah, man. It's a little chilly for my liking. Um, you know, a a brisk fifty five degrees. Um, no, man. It's uh, it's all good. Got some skiing in this weekend. Went. Uh, Went a couple hours northeast of Los Angeles to a place called Big Bear Mountain. Got to ski for the first time in a couple of years, so that was pretty great. So I'm in a good mood, man. Um, holidays are coming up. I'll be back in Cleveland uh, next week to to do some family stuff. So it's always uh, I December is my birthday is at the end of the month. There's Christmas. December is always my favorite month, man. So I'm I'm good. I just basically live vicariously through Jordan. He talks about skiing. I can't even remotely. Uh, envision myself getting out to do something so fun so that's why i ask him he provides the fun adventures and then i just reflect on myself uh, sitting at the house and raising kids and all that stuff so that's what we do here we balance it out so jordan is here we're going to talk about uh the kevin stefanski stuff which you know i don't know if you don't want to hear this you can turn this pot off that's fine i i think that people are uh, somewhat now being forced to take a stance on this guy because that's what we're doing maybe I would be interested to know, Jordan, what the the public away from social is, because we get this idea that all Browns fans are found through Twitter when that's not the case. But I have an inkling that it would probably be pretty ugly outside of Twitter, too, because that's just how it goes. And the nuance of coaching football and all that comes with it is is missed on a lot of people. So uh, we're here to kind of talk about some angles that have come up with Stefanski to either uh, not necessarily debunk them, but to give some perspective to things that are happening and try to weigh what people are calling a really important four games, which I just can't get in line with. So this issue comes up uh, with Kevin being fired, and like you wrote about it, Jordan. So talk about what you wrote about, and then we can get into, and we'll link this uh, Jordan's writing on Kevin in the uh, description of this podcast. You can click on that direct link and go to his Substack and read it. So yeah, just tell me what you wrote, why you wrote it and like all that surrounds it. And then we'll dig into the more, uh, I guess the granular pieces of it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think like the, my thesis statement is essentially that like the tone of the conversation around Stefanski just has not really matched the reality really all year long. Um, I think you and I have touched on this on the pod and, and you've touched on this in your writing as well. Like, you know, for most of the year, uh, the Browns were a top 10 offense. And, you know, these are things that are not really 
opinion. Like, this is a fact. The Browns were running a top 10 offense with a quarterback who, and I pointed this out in my piece, like Jacoby Brissett, every year that he started, it's essentially four seasons where he threw at least 200 passes. So two of them uh, came with the Colts and one of them came with the Dolphins uh, before he got to Cleveland. And this is obviously the fourth season. Um, this season is far and away the, the best he has played uh, in in his career with these meaningful snaps. Um, and, and it's come under Kevin Stefanski. He basically, Jake, has been a bottom 10 quarterback, bottom five quarterback some years, um, not in Cleveland. Then he comes here. And I think right, I think altogether this season, he was 14th overall in, in EPA per play. Like, so Stefanski basically took, and I said this in the piece, he took a career backup, a guy that when he has played starting time, like when he's played starter snaps, has been pretty bad. Um, he took Jacoby and turned him into not just like a serviceable starter, but like a top 12, top 15 quarterback in the NFL this season. Um, so like that alone to me is like so much of what I think both you and I see, and especially on Twitter, but elsewhere too, is like, there's so much talk about the offense, the offense, the offense. And like, the issues with the Browns have not been on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and we'll get into, you know, where the actual issues have come from and, and what Stefanski can do about those. But like so much of what you see and hear about are, are these narratives, you know, like the Browns don't run it enough. Well, actually they've been top five in rushing attempts for the entire season. And for a while they were top three. Uh, so that's just factually not true. <laughs> and then, you know, they're talking about the offense has regressed. Like it hasn't. Um, it's actually been a pretty good offense for most of the season. The way they have lost games has been, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, on some fluky stuff, like, and, and four, four or five of their losses are one-score games. So what frustrates me and what I wrote about is that, you know, Kevin Stefanski has basically been given two flawed quarterbacks. Um, he took one to the playoffs, and they won a playoff game for the first time in – you know, playoff appearance in 2002 and then first win since in the 90s. Um, that quarterback turned out to be massively flawed. And when an injury happened to Baker Mayfield in 2021, uh, it sort of sped up the realization that Baker Mayfield is not a quarterback that is going to take you where you want to go. Uh, and so they went through a season where they still, Jake, almost made the playoff despite getting, I would say, bottom five quarterback play in the NFL that season from, from Baker. Um, and now he has basically had to reset uh, with another quarterback, another flawed quarterback in Jacoby Brissett for 11 games. And now he's once again resetting with a quarterback that hasn't played in over, you know, in two years and change and who has in press conferences and I think today said that he's nowhere near the quarterback that he once was or wants to be. So, you know, I just, I, I think to sum all that up is just, there's a frustration that comes with sort of like the, the conversation around a, a head coach and an, and an offensive guy who is really, really smart uh, and has basically created two really good offenses with flawed, bad, flawed to bad quarterbacks. Um and when you look at it like that, and when you zoom out a little bit, when I see stuff like, yeah, like, oh, well, he's got four games to prove himself or else he's fired. It just, it feels like I'm going insane, <laughs> frankly. So um, I was a bit long-winded, but I tried to sum everything up there where overall, like I just, the, the tone of the conversations around Stefanski feels so far removed from the reality. And I, and I understand that people are frustrated and this season has not gone well. And I think, we all thought last season, after what Baker did in 2020, we all were super excited about maybe a Super Bowl Super Bowl run last season until we realized that that's not who Baker Mayfield was. So I get the frustration, um, but I just get equally as frustrated when the conversation sort of tilts in a way that doesn't really match sort of the reality of it. Okay, so let me – all of that is great, very true, and I think we have touched on many of those subjects here. Um it seems to me there's a couple things with Kevin that are that are ticking people off. And and I try to I try to see perspectives on this stuff as best I can, right? So I will ask you a question and I I'm curious to what you say and we'll kind of go from there and build out conversation based on that. Why are the Browns bad this year? Like what's your general take on why they struggle? Why they're 5 and 8 at the heart of the whole thing? Why are they 5 and 8? They're 5 and 8, Jake, because their defense has been awful. Uh, is what I would say. 
their defense has been really, really bad. Uh, and has, you know, I think when they lost that Jets game, um, in, was that week two? Uh, that was, when they, I think week, week two, two week, week three, three yeah. Something like that. I think it was week um, three, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, who cares? You, you could, who cares? Doesn't matter. Um, but when they lost that game in the way they did, and it was sort of a foreshadowing, um, even from week one, when they blew multiple coverages and let, you know, Baker Mayfield throw two wide open touchdown passes. Um, I think that was some foreshadowing of how bad the defense was going to be. So, you know, between those losses, between the miscommunications they've had in the secondary, between uh, their linebackers, not only not playing well, but being decimated by injury, um, just all of it. I mean, their defense has been really, really bad. And by every advanced metric, it's one of the worst defenses in the NFL. So that to me, Jake, is why uh, the Browns currently sit at five and eight. Okay, so I would agree with that. Defense, a huge part of the issue this year. Um, if you look back at where they're at EPA-wise for this year, collectively across the board, I like using EPA because it gives you a play-by-play uh, synopsis for where a team is, right? And it gives you an idea of how they're affecting each individual play. And I think it usually bears itself. They're 25th in EPA this year. Teams around them, the Jaguars uh, right out in front of them, the Chargers, the Giants are behind them, Seahawks, Raiders, Falcons, Bears, Lions, all behind. Okay, so that's that's your 2022 uh, grouping there. Now, a lot of the things that you talked about offensively are true, right? I think they have uh, had pretty good production, especially before the bye week. Post bye week, you could start to have some issues. I think that's totally fair. And I think to me, uh, at least is where I stand, I can understand where people come from with some things. Okay, I had a conversation on Twitter. You can go find it. It was a couple days ago based on the offense, but also people at the, at the heart of the issue is not offense. It's defense. Okay. And I get that you as the head coach are responsible for more than just your play calling. If you're a play call type of uh, head coach, right? You're more, you have to account for your defense and you have to account for your special teams. You're the CEO. Totally get it. The other thing that we'll address here in just a moment is this, the Browns are undisciplined. They get a lot of penalties, they're not motivated, right? That's another angle that's out there. I think that's those are the two prevailing ones. And I will say, in my opinion, Jordan, are fair. You can dislike Kevin because you don't like his demeanor, because you cannot like the demeanor of anybody. It doesn't mean you're you're wrong, because maybe you like as a as if you play Jordan or you uh, as an observer, you like a guy who brings passion, fire, energy, and nonstop like Dan Campbell or Robert Sala types, right? those guys are there then there's the flip side of it which is like the kevins and the shanhans and the o'connells and there's some different guys who aren't quite as emotional the staley's right there's different types different strokes different folks i'm not here to say if you prefer that type of coach you're wrong i don't think that's necessary but some people do that's okay all right the defense stuff i think there's a uh, you talk about offense perspective being missed And I'm with you. I don't even think you can argue it at all. I've debunked everybody that that I've talked to about the offensive stuff, about how they've evolved and they've moved different things and they're adapting it for Deshaun. They're trying to do two different offenses on the fly this year. Really hard, really stinking hard. And there's a lot that goes into that. And maybe we'll talk about it here. Maybe we won't. I've already written about it if you want to read it. But like to me, the defense stuff, you have to have perspective. Okay, so we're backtracking this thing to when Kevin was hired the worst football climate to be a head coach to start your career. Why? COVID, right? Can't do the all the things you want to do with your guys. It's a completely different environment, virtual, your coaching staff getting to know them. It was hard, but they they did well. They went to the playoffs, right? That was awesome. Fantastic. Everybody loved it. Girls were talking about how they wanted to marry Kevin Stefan. You remember, Jordan, we're talking about the same <laughs> oh, thing. We can remember I that team. To, I wanted to marry him. <laughs> it seems like a lifetime ago, but it's it was it was just a few years back, right? So he's coach of the year. They actually, so you look at it and say, okay, let's evaluate. Joe Wood shouldn't even be here. Okay, let's track why he's here. 2020, if you look at total EPA of defenses, they were 21st, right? 21st, but they struggled more in pass coverage, but they created a bunch of turnovers. They addressed pass coverage, got better at it, got some more bodies in here, got a healthier Grant Delpit for the next year. Okay, reminder that in 2020, You couldn't really be mad at anybody. They went to the divisional round and were a drive away from winning the divisional game in Kansas City where they did play. Now Mahomes left. I get it. But they played the Chiefs pretty respectfully. Okay, They were okay defensively. They just couldn't figure some things out on offense late in the game and they were hamstrung by 
the obvious. We don't even need to go into it, right? With, with the receiver separation issues they're running into, so on and so forth. You can't be mad at Joe Woods there. Last year, start a little slow, but pick it up. By the end of the year, they're fifth in yards allowed and 16th in total defensive EPA by the end of last year. Are you going to fire that guy? You're going to fire that guy. Okay, so I think in my opinion, two years. Now, you could argue Preef could have been done. Totally think that's fair. You could have said, yep. my, the, you know, Preefer could have been special teams, could have been wiped away. But you would be really surprised, Jordan, I know you wouldn't be, but most people would, how little turnover teams have on special teams coaches. They really don't move. If a guy is still there, they don't move on from him much. So, again, but I, I, hit, I can take that criticism. That's okay. But you're not firing Joe Woods after the first two years. You're just not. They started. They got better from year one to year two from a number standpoint, and they started to figure out and st- closed pretty strong. They closed pretty strong. You're not just going to reset coming into a year where you made the decision to get rid of Baker Mayfield, take on Deshaun Watson, all that comes with it, the suspension, everything. You are not going to reset defensive coordinator and risk that. You're just not. Okay, because you, me, the above, and I'm Jordan, I'm sure if we go back and listen to our preseason, what could go wrong? We got to stop doing that one. But anyway, you go back (laughs) and listen to it. We're jinxing every season when we do that. Yeah, we're taking next year off. When you go look at it, we talked about the defense was the expectation to carry this team. I know that there was a local media host who put out some stuff today about how some teams have overcome bad quarterback play to win games. Right. They talked about the Jets, the 49ers, the Ravens and a couple others and it's like hey what's in common for those teams they have elite defenses we thought the browns would carry the offense in the first half of the year until deshaun came back by playing stellar defense it was the total opposite the total opposite and that is where for me the first time that we have now had grounds to remove a defensive coordinator and go with a different voice a different scheme and try to get more out of the talent here. It's there. It, this could not be more obvious. I've written about it. I've tried to lay breadcrumbs of my thoughts. I think I've been pretty direct on this pod about, about what I think of Joe Woods. I think Joe Woods is fine, but I don't like his mixture of coaching style, his mixture of thought process and his approach results-based looking at it now three years in that has regressed in coverage regressed from a run defense standpoint and we'll talk about some of the personnel in a little bit but they have regressed in all phases and and the thing that irks me more than anything is he doesn't adapt his defense in game and it's pretty obvious to me that guys regressed in terms of just understanding the philosophical think about the blown coverages you couldn't commit it's year three for some guys Year two for very important pieces, and those little pieces of evidence are right there. Now, this is the first year Kevin has had grounds for dismissing a defensive coordinator. There, You could talk about it and say, we should have done it in season. Okay, but you can't really be mad about that. The Browns don't want any more turmoil in season because they already know what they have coming is turmoil in and of itself when they just got Watson back and all that comes with it. They're trying to keep some stability in place for what's coming, what happened with Watson, and where they're going. Now, if we get to the offseason, Jordan, and they don't replace the defensive coordinator, right? They don't replace Joe Woods, and they don't replace Prefer, who I think both have grounds, in my opinion, to be removed. Then I'll be on the flip side of, I'm not sure if he can handle the CEO, the leadership aspect of this. I just, I just don't know how you can look at it year by year, It's not in a vacuum. You have to look at when the decision needed to be made and where you're sitting. They finally have, in my opinion, the evidence to move on from Woods. It's pretty clear now based on the failed expectations of this year and the elements that are inside of that failed expectation in the third year of a system, right? I think Joe has had a bunch of good – the Browns offense, you want to talk about the lack of consistency over there? Now you flip it to the defense, which has had – all of their primary pieces have been in place. And those yep. guys are the side where you see regression hitting hard consistently. It's there. So again, I wrote about this early in the year. Who's the primary candidate everybody wants to see take the job if they had their dream? Sean Payton. I wrote about it because it's so parallel. And I'm not saying Kevin's going to become Sean because who the hell knows? But what I am saying is they went to the playoffs in Sean's first year in New Orleans. Great playoff year, lost in the playoffs to Chicago, who went to the Super Bowl. But it was a great year. Everyone's riding high. The next two years, defense is bad, regresses. They have two down years, I think like a 9-7 and seven and, a, and an 8-8. Eight and eight. 
And what do they do? People in New Orleans are calling for Sean Payton's head. They want him fired. It's not going to work. What do they do? They stick with him. Let him hire the next defensive coordinator. He picks Greg Williams. Ironic. Picks Greg Williams. <laughs> they win the Super Bowl. So what I'm not saying it's all parallel here, but what I am saying is Kevin has shown you to run a, a, a good to at times great offense. He's shown he can do that. The problem with the Browns that we're all ignoring and trying to now put in Kevin Stefanski's lap is just simply the defense. So why is it that people will be like, well, let's let Andrew Barry and, and Dee Podesta get a, a head coaching hire because they didn't get that last time. Because if you remember, Kevin was hired after, uh, sorry, before Andrew Barry was. So, but but why would why would Kevin not get the ability to repick a DC and keep the continuity with Deshaun Watson? As Kevin was obviously a part of what Deshaun liked to come here, I'm just really confused as to why he can't remove Joe, bring bring in a different defensive coordinator and see figure that figure this thing out because it's amazing to me that you can say the defense has been the issue and yet you don't want to give the head coach who's a pretty good offensive mind, a pretty good uh, schemer, a pretty good uh, a leader in that regard of the offense and the structure and how it all works. How could you decide that now you want to just remove everybody? Let's just remove everybody and get in somebody else. Like, I get you're frustrated. I do. I understand you want to win, but you got to peel back the layers of how we're in the situation that we are in and understand the decisions Kevin made at the time he made them. And that if you're willing to say, okay, Andrew Barry is above reprise here, and there's a lot we could peel back on Andrew Barry to look at why he deserves zero criticism in all of this. But it's like, I'm just mind blown that we can't sit here and just say, hey, it's pretty simple. The defense is a problem from the message to the scheme to the regression of, of serious talent. Let's replace him. Let's bring in a young defensive mind. I don't know who that is yet, or even an experienced veteran, a former head coach type. Think like Jim Schwartz, who's a defensive analyst in Tennessee, doing a nice job there. Somebody like that that Kevin can lean on and figure it out. Think about young McVay, Wade Phillips, right? Think about um, you know, Shanahan's early career. I cannot remember who the DC was early in Shanahan's career out and out, out with the 49ers, but Sala eventually took the role. Like it's you got, he's got to find a stellar DC to make this work. It's just, I don't understand why you want to pin that. It's all right there. Joe Woods is the issue. Nice guy. Think he's a good ball coach, but it's not working here. So you want to blame Kevin for that. That's fine. You want to call them undisciplined. I got news for you, man. Who does everybody love in Tennessee? Mike Vrabel. Guess who's been penalized more than Cleveland? Tennessee. Okay. Guess which teams are at the bottom of the penalty list? The Atlanta Falcons, the Los Angeles Rams, Houston Texans, LA Chargers. That doesn't swing ball games as much as you think it does. Penalties are fickle. They're unpredictable staff to staff, or sorry, referee crew to referee crew. Think about how the, the Browns, I've not thought this year, Jordan, one time, like, man, they're being flagged a lot. It just became a thing this past weekend because both teams were getting flagged nonstop in this Jerome yeah. Boger crew game. Like, I'm just, I'm amazed that we can't step back, separate our disappointment from, from realizing the win wise and how's we're he, like how's, how we're here and just say, hey, the writing is right there for you. If you sit and be honest with yourself about why this team stinks and why they've lost maybe four games they should have won, Jets game, Chargers game, you could talk me into the Ravens game, right? There's elements there where this team's easily seven and six, eight and five, easily. But they're not because they blew opportunities, the Falcons game early in the year, and it's like, it's 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 a very narrow margin for error. And when you look at again and you look at what the issue is from a number standpoint, film standpoint, player quote standpoint, it's very obvious and it's right in front of you. And it's just amazing that you would want to reset it all because you 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 want to blame Kevin for the defense when you look at when you look at the timing at which the defensive stuff, the decisions were made to keep people, it's very easy to see why people would have been kept. It's not hard. Like it's, it's very obvious. Now, Joe Woods has been a very bad disappointment this year. Very bad. So you replace him. You now have the opportunity to replace him because you have enough evidence to actually go out and replace him. Right? So, you know, nobody, again, went, went, the off season was so tumultuous with Deshaun they were not going to put their defense in an even bigger risky situation to replace him. 
And again, they had the fifth fewest yards allowed in the 16th EPA per play defense last year. Why would you replace that going into this crazy season where you're trying to figure out can Jacoby Brissett lead the group in all of these, these elements? Like, you got to step back and look at it. I know you're disappointed they're five and eight, but saying that that you, you needed to fire everybody because of it is just knee jerk stuff, man. It's fantasy land, Jordan. That's that's kind of like my big tangent on the stuff that we're just overlooking. And yeah, I mean, you can dig in on the offense and the offense to me is super explainable. And like I said, I've tried to talk to people about it and explain how they're going through some differences. You know, you're not above uh, being criticized for where they're at obviously, but I, I think that when you when you look at and peel back, there's not just a bunch of guys like Kevin out there. Some people will tell you that. They'll make tweets about it, and it'll sound cool, like they know what they're talking about, but there's not enough of these guys out there, man. There's just not yep. enough of these that, guys who can put it all together. Yeah. No, I mean, I think all of that is really well said, and a um, couple of points I want to make kind of piggybacking off of, of some of the things that you made. But first, that first point about, yeah, like, so, okay, you let Kevin Stefanski go, and you're letting a a – very good offensive mind just go out the door somewhere else and i think for a team um that has up until they found kevin stefanski rarely looked like a professional nfl team aside from the times when oh who was it oh it was kyle shanahan uh, was running their offense um they they have rarely looked like a competent nfl team now that's not the bar but like Kevin Stefanski is way above the bar in terms of offensive mind and and what he does with scheme and all that. So there, that alone is like, okay, you you just want to let him walk. Cool. Um, The second thing, well, two things really. One is that, you know, you mentioned the things that people say and, and sort of glean onto that are, they say things that just don't really mean anything. One of them was what you just mentioned. If a, when a team gets penalized or has a game where there's a lot of penalties, it means that they're undisciplined, which means that they're not listening to the coaching staff, which means that Kevin Stefanski is not a leader and on and on and on. And it is just like, there is no, like you just said, there is no correlation truly to amount of penalties and team success. Um, and it, and it also like, there is no, we have no idea, um, you know, one, what's causing some of the penalties um, maybe the offensive line is struggling with particular defensive players that day and they're getting caught holding because they're just not having a good day. Um, or Miles Garrett gets anxious and, and jumps a snap count as he always does. Or, you know, whatever it may be, um, does not all of a sudden just leap to this idea that, like, no one is listening to the coach. Like, I've always just – it is such a trope that people buy into and there's no real evidence to support it. It's just something people say um, and have said for a really long time. And so that is – like you said, one, the the teams that are more penalized by the Browns are better teams than the Browns. Um, and two, it, it's such recency stuff where, like, there's a ton of flags thrown in the game against the Bengals. They lose. That means that they're undisciplined. That means that the coaching staff isn't getting through and, and on and on. And I, I get really tired of, like, these meaningless cliches people say. So that's one. The other thing I wanted to mention was to the point of, like, how many different sort of offenses Kevin Stefanski has sort of had to run. Um, but you're telling me that you uh, people they're struggling to sort of and Deshaun especially is struggling to get back into a rhythm after being off for a really long time. But you know he met with Stefanski. They went over plays and, and how Stefanski would use him in the offense before Watson even signed. It was a part of why he signed in Cleveland. That's like like what you mentioned. Then you know he has the off season. Then he has a little bit of the pre training camp in the preseason. So he's learning the offense. He's ingesting what he can, knowing he's going to sit out but he's continuing to learn the offense, watch film, all that stuff. So now you're telling me like he's back, he's learning this offense. He's learning how to play and and execute in real time against live bullets when he hasn't seen him in a while. And it's obviously like shaking the rest off. You're telling me you want to fire this coach, bring in somebody else and install a new offensive system for this quarterback to now stop everything. And all the stuff he's just put in his head for this weird year you want to just throw that Which out. Are all the things he's good at. Like Kevin has gone out of exactly. his comfort zone to do all the things he's good at. Like RPOs, read yep. options, empty West coast, vertical stretch stuff. I just have to inject that note in there because like, he's, he's not just saying, Hey, you're going to, you're going to fit in what I do here Deshaun. No, he's adapted a lot. And Deshaun's leaving plays on the field right now. And to your point, Jordan, you just said it. He's admitting it. He's saying it. Yep. I got to be better. I'm rusty. Keep going. I just have to inject that. Like the no, offense it's... evolution is not the problem here. 
No, you're, I mean, you're exactly right. And you can see how the offense has changed. I mean, it's, it's, it's very, very obvious. And again, like you said, he's leaving plays on the field. There was that one very obvious one against the Bengals where I, I believe it was, it was DPJ, whoever it was over the middle where he just didn't throw it. Like, so again, like he is, and this is something that I think we expected, maybe not to the level of rustiness, but we understood that like this was going to take time. So now you're telling me that as, as bad as Deshaun has looked, and as, as much of a learning curve as it has been for him to sort of like get back to, to what an NFL quarterback is, you want to just bring in somebody else who probably is going to run a worse offense again. Like you said, like who are you just going to bring in um, offensively that is going to do what Kevin has done here? So like that to me, again, it just doesn't make logical sense. And then the last thing I'll say is, you know, there was a Albert Breer was on uh, the fan this afternoon and, and there was a quote that got tweeted out um, that I thought is again, showing how I think the tone of conversations don't match the reality. This is what Albert Breer said. He said, quote, I think Stefanski was always going to get another year. Now, does that mean he's going to get a year with the entire staff intact and status quo going into 2023? No, I think there's a pretty good chance he'll have to make some changes. And that basically sums up, Jake, what you and I just talked about. Like this idea that the organization wouldn't, wouldn't keep this coach with the quarterback he's only going to have for four or five games that they just put all these resources into getting the idea that they wouldn't give him another year, a full year uh, with this quarterback and wouldn't give him the opportunity to make his first change really as a head coach of a Browns in terms of the coaching staff is just doesn't make any logical sense. So I think, you know, that again, you and I have both kind of gotten at the end of this where it's like, Hey, this is, you know, summed up. This is the thought. And that to me is really what it is. It's like, none of this makes any logical sense when you really sort of put it all out there like we just did. Um, And again, the conversation, like you said, will be different if a, there are no changes made over the off season, but I, I do not imagine that will be the case. And then two, um, if next season they struggle, uh, then we can start to have some of these conversations, but like right now we're not there. And right now it doesn't make any, it doesn't make any sense. So I think that's where, I mean, I think you and I are pretty aligned on that, but it is good to just sort of like put all this stuff in one place because when you do, um, and then you see something like what Breer said, you're like, yeah, well, of course, like, why wouldn't they give him another season? So it's just very, um, it's very frustrating. And like you said, I think like there are plenty of things that you can look at if you want to nitpick the offense. Like they have not been a good rushing team since their bye week. And that's really hurt them. They have been unable to run the ball and it's been hard. It's made it really hard, not only on Brissett after the bye, but now when you're trying to break in a quarterback that um, you want to make it as easy as possible for as he sort of gets acclimated enough to speed. And they haven't been able to do that. Um, I think they're like in the twenties in EPA per play after they were like number one in rush EPA per play uh, before their bye week. So like, that's an issue and and they need to sort of figure out like why they can't really run the ball anymore. So yeah, like stuff like that is fine to critique, but it just goes so far beyond like, Hey, like this isn't working. Like maybe we need to change the offense a little bit here, a little bit here, but it, it just goes to like fire him. And that is, and that part of it is the wild part to me. Hey guys telling you again about the fantastic offer coming up from FanDuel America's number one sports book, which is coming to the Buckeye state at the turn of the year. They're already available. If you go in, sign up, you get $100 in free bets with an early sign-up bonus. Now, again, reminder, you cannot get this offer if you wait around and do it after the turn of the new year when when it's a go-live date for sports betting in Ohio. You have to do it early. You get an early sign-up bonus by using the promo code OBR. Very simple. Just OBR. Get that sign-up bonus, right? Get $100 in free bets. Just have to download the FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app, safe, secure, super easy to use. I already do it for some of the shows that I do on Sundays just to look at lines and give advice. Download that app. Ohio, it's your chance to get in on the action. Join today. Again, promo code OBR. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Again, the disclaimer, 21 and older. You've got to be present in Ohio. Bonuses issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, 1-1 of 2023. Unique user identity verification is required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Yeah, listen, I think over times in 20 and 21, I'm like the Browns have an absolute locked in 20 year coach here. Like I thought at times in the first year and a half that this is the guy that has, has got everything solved. And that, listen, I'm not, I'm not there anymore. I think there's less, my, my gut feeling is that there's, there's less conviction in me that he is a no doubt slam dunk answer for in perpetuity. There are faults in what Kevin does, not just like things you might not like about fourth down, um, you know, the, the, uh, fourth down aggressiveness, things like that. There are some scheme things I don't always love. I do think sometimes he makes the play call harder than it needs to be. I have been fortunate in my life to have experienced that on a very, very small scale. And I always um, am am very hesitant to get really mad at coordinators because I know there's a lot that goes into it that, A, we have no idea about the prep. And Alex Van Pelt today said, you know, the coaching staff was all in on that play, right? It's not just Kevin who's making that decision. It's, hey, guys, do you like this play in this in this situation? And AVP and, and Callahan and everybody has a chance to say, Kevin, no, we don't like it. Don't run it here. Everybody's in on those game plans, decisions, all of it. That's the thing that's missed about, well, let Van Pelt call plays. Hey, who do you think's making the majority of the game plan <laughs> pregame decisions? It's, it's unbelievable, the OC. Man. Kevin's calling the plays, but AVP is involved in all of the prep, practice scripts, everything and like the thing to me here is 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 that you have to just separate it in a, in a sense and say okay what do you like about Kevin and what do you not like about him all right you don't like that he goes into press conferences and takes blame for everything on the flip side of it was Joe Woods today who seems to put everything on the players he puts every we didn't play well you know guys didn't play well we can't, we can't get any consistency on the field like there's that side of it too so you can have it one way or the other I don't mind it. You might you might want him to attack certain players. I can tell you that's a double-edged sword. Some players don't mind the motivation. Some players hate it. Most of the time, professionals who want to be treated like grown men don't like being pinpointed publicly. It's just and, not a thing they Jake, like. I, I was going to jump in and say, too, like there are already rumblings that players on the defensive side of the ball are not thrilled with Joe Woods. So there's already, can, yeah. there's already evidence there that like that approach – and his entire approach is not one the players are enjoying. Yeah, it's little quotes here and there from not just one person. It's not like yep. we're isolating. It's multiple guys throughout the course of the year making little jabs here and there that you can pick up on. Anyway, you're right. Totally spot on. To the point about Kevin, though, like, you know, when I think about, you know, what Breer said, it's th- these guys didn't go into that room to make the decision on Watson without having some kind of agreement in place. Even if you remove the common sense factor that you and I are talking about here and how we should obviously be given the chance to come back anyway, like 
the Breer thing to me is funny because you cannot, these guys could not have come to the agreement knowing that Watson was going to sit out large portions of the year and not have said, we're going to give you a full year. Like there's just no way that, that, that Kevin and the group would have agreed to it. And first of all, that they wouldn't have all sat down and said, Hey, we're going to give you a B Kevin. Cause it wasn't like Joe Woods was up on that podium. It was a B it was Kevin and Jimmy got involved with the, the talking to us as far away from it as he could, but nonetheless, he was involved too. So, you know, that all ties into it. I think that's a fascinating part of it, obviously that he should be given that opportunity, but to like my beginning point, I'm not, I'm not here to say Kevin is without flaws, right? I'm certainly not here to say that. I do think, like I've said earlier, he's got some things that you probably don't like. He's got some things that I don't always love. The the, the decision on fourth downs, which I know we'll talk about here in a second, every now and again, uh, I think he overthinks them, right? You know, but you think, Jordan, that the process was fine on that. I do too. I get where he was coming from. You can see when you step back and peel back, like, oh, maybe bringing a guy off the bench wasn't wasn't the best idea. But Jacoby is heavily involved for weeks. He's very much a part of what they're doing. I get what they're trying to do. Like to me, I didn't. I wasn't mad at that play. I mean, some people were because it doesn't work out. But I wasn't mad at that play. Were you mad at that play? No. I mean, I think it's one of these things again where like any sort of non-traditional play that doesn't work people are very quick again to say things that are like meaningless like god it's too cute and you know you you watch like what the chiefs do at the goal line (laughs) and like their in their insanity sometimes of like and they probably sometimes go too far but like they have a lot of success with it so i just i sort of laugh at it but you know yeah that play to me was like Okay, you can if you were upset that they ran it on fourth down instead of third, where like they could give themselves another down to run a more traditional play. I totally get that. That's fine. Um, but again, like the process to me was sound. Like the offensive thinking was sound. Where they ran Jacoby Brissett on a ton of QB sneaks while he was starting, most of them successful because of how big his body is. Um, so then, you know, in Deshaun's first start against Houston, they bring him in on a on a fourth and one, I believe, and and they run an end around to Harrison Bryant off of it. Now they imagine like a, a solid ima- imagine the, the the comparisons to Shermer. Remember Shermer ran the fullback. Uh, oh, he how ran, could I forget? I can't remember. And he would if 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 he gave that ball to Harrison Bryant, and that defensive end who was confused by it, and for a split second turned inside and allowed Bryant to get around. But that play was another one where people would have gotten really, really mad at him if it didn't go that way. So they're clearly like, I get it. I I mean, it's funny, Jordan, because in the Bills game, they did it twice. They said, screw it. We're just going to run quarterback sneak twice. And they didn't get it. And people got mad at it. And then people got mad at him for doing it. And then they do the flip side of it, which is we're going to be creative off of this. And it's like, what an idiot, right? You know, it's it's a a lose-lose. Like, that's the point that it's gotten to. It's a lose-lose. And from game to game, people forget, like, what happened the week before and they want to get upset about something else. But, like, he's trying to run tendency breakers, right? Like, he's here. We're going to show you a quarterback sneak look. We've done this all season long. You think we're just going to run this QB sneak look. So the first time in Houston, they run the end around. That's successful. But now it's on film, you know, so they go for the next week. It's like, okay, QB sneak look with Jacoby. But instead, we're going to play action it. We're going to get a defensive look that we like, and we're going to have a wide open Donovan Peoples-Jones in the end zone, and Jacoby just didn't make the throw. Like, he missed it. But, like, the play, quote-unquote, worked if the ball is accurate, you know? So, again, I get it. If you would have rather just run that with Deshaun and just run a straight play action, fine, but maybe you don't get that coverage. You know, maybe you don't get guys creeping up because they think the quarterback sneak is happening, and maybe you don't get a single coverage on the outside. So, again, like, I just don't think – people people just are now looking for reasons to get upset and and there is and while I understand it to an extent because the season these last two seasons essentially have not gone the way any of us had hoped after what they did in 2020 um there are very there's reasons for it as we just went over that are mostly on the defensive side of the ball um and two there's just like the things people get upset about offensively and about Kevin to me just have never really made a lot of sense and I think you and I are pretty logical, cool-headed people. I think both of us under are, are also will admit that yes, like like you just said, like there is stuff about Stefanski's offense that can frustrate us, and that we we want them to do better. But that's that's every offense in the entire league, you know. Like yeah. not every play call is going to work. 
not everything you try to do is going to work. Like this is what the NFL is um, on a week to week basis. Stuff is going to fail. So, uh, and guess what? The guys it, who whose stuff doesn't work a lot is because they don't have a creative guru at quarterback who can get them out of shitty situations. That's a yep. large reason of why they went and got Deshaun is to try to overcome coaching mistakes where Deshaun's getting his leg held and is able to deliver a 15-yard strike down the middle of the field to get caught. Like, that's that's it. That's what you're trying to do. Listen, coaching is really fucking hard. It's hard. Everybody knows the same things. They all know what you're doing. You have a good feel for what they're doing. Every now and again, you'll have a week where you catch somebody off guard and it works out. But for the most part, man, this stuff is hard. It is genuinely to me, and Jordan, I don't know if you agree with me, but I'm a players over plays. It just... You can have the perfect play. 100%. A perfect play can be called, and it doesn't work out because you don't have the guys to get it done. You could be in a shitty play, a terrible play, but you got enough guys on your team that can make it happen, create separation, make a guy miss in the backfield, make that block that nobody should ever make coming across the line of scrimmage, and it gets out, and you get out of it. That It's a player's overplays it, thing. And like, it is 100%. Go ahead. Go ahead. I just wanted to say it is another way to say it. It's talent over scheme. And yeah. You see this, I mean, there are so many examples of it. We just saw it with the Rams where they said, look, we had this incredible offense with Jared Goff, but he's not good enough. And that scheme, Sean McVay, you could probably say he was running a perfect scheme uh, at that time, you know? And he said, it's not good enough. It's not going to get us where we need to go. So they got a better quarterback. You look at like what Patrick Mahomes does when plays break down in Kansas City. People might not think Andy Reid is an offensive genius if he had a much lesser quarterback, but he has Patrick Mahomes who not only elevates his scheme, which is good, but he's so good out of structure that it changes everything. I mean, teams are constantly looking for elite quarterbacks, which is why the Browns got the Sean Watson, which just comes back to the idea that like they wouldn't give Stefanski that third year. So I'm hundred percent with you in terms of like the talent is always going to rise to the top above scheme above anything. But Jake, I also wanted to say too, like, I just think about a guy, the Browns, a coach, the Browns just faced in Todd Bowles and like what's going on in Tampa Bay where they, they run on almost every first down their offense with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Tom Brady looks absolutely awful. Like you can tell when a coach is actively holding a team back. And if you just look at like what Todd Bowles is doing, and if you look at that, I mean, they were playing the 49ers who, again, like we mentioned, have a great defense, but if you just look at like what they run on offense and and what they're doing, and then you compare it to like how what Kevin Stefanski has done in Cleveland, it just to me is so night and day. And I and I think like, okay, would, do you want Todd Bowles in here? Do you want you want somebody in here who's going to be like first and ten, no matter what? We're handing it off to Leonard Fournette. He's getting two yards. You know, like we're, we're never really mixing it up. Like I just I think there's so many examples of coaches that are bad. And then yeah. I think you can look at Kevin Stefanski and be like, no, like he's. He knows what he's doing offensively. So I just think like it's interesting because we just saw Tampa Bay and then you just, they were just on national TV against the 49ers and they yeah. barely uh, came back in that game against the Saints. They looked awful in most of that game against the Saints. So it's just like, you know, I think there's just examples right in front of people's faces of like what the Browns could be and what, how much worse it could be. Um, yeah. And so again, I think just context for stuff, you know, it, it, it just always and frustrates two, me. There's really one coach that has made his offense quarterback proof. That's out in San Francisco. I mean, Kyle is the only, truly special, the only one. Spe- he's special. He's a, he's a gen, in my opinion, a generational offensive mind. And like, they are still doing what they're doing because they have the league's best defense. Man, they have the league's best defense. That makes everything work better it makes the patience on offense work better it's all it's all very obvious and like hey man you know what we saw Andy Reid without a generational quarterback without Donovan and without uh you know without Pat we saw him at the end of his Philly run right with Kevin Cobb and and aged Michael Vick and he got canned they they, it, it, it didn't work out the Philly people got tired of him we've seen it and now Philly people are like until this year with Sirianni you know and they had the year with with uh with Doug, but like they have all, they look back at Reed and they never wanted to let him go. But in the moment, everybody wanted to let Andy Reed go. They all did. Andy Reed has had the ha- Andy Reed second half of his career because he has one. He has the most talented quarterback we'll probably ever see. It's just, it yep. just is the way it is. Like he, Andy does a bunch of great things and those two bring out the best in each other. That's, that's what people are chasing. Like that's what Cleveland is chasing is a guy who brings out the best in the guy you well, have and vice versa. But like, there's evidence of this stuff 
everywhere. But to your man. point about Andy, to your point about Andy Reid too. I mean, like, look what happened. They had Alex Smith. They they you know they were good. Um, they made the playoffs a few times, but they knew that's as far as they were going. And so they made a move to get Patrick Mahomes, and then look what happened. And it it that almost feels so similar to not saying that the Browns are like going to the Super Bowl next season or anything, but that feels so similar to Stefanski with Baker slash Jacoby, where yeah. his scheme has done all it can for these quarterbacks who have these ceilings. Um, now you have a quarterback which you hope next season resembles the Deshaun Watson of 2020 and when he was with the Texans and when he was throwing for 4,500 yards um, and, you know, 40 touchdowns and running all over the place and is one of the top five quarterbacks in the league. And if you get that, I think then maybe you just watch what happens with this offense. And so that, to me, is the whole point of it. Um, But I think that Andy Reid one is uh, a good one. I think people might forget, like, what they look like with Alex Smith. Really good team, but the scheme only takes you so far. The scheme is only going to take you – as far as your quarterback can go. Um, and they, they subbed him out and they said, all right, Mahomes, let's go. And, and it became one of the best offenses of all time. The Browns, guess what? They took Mahomes at 10. The Browns were probably, if they missed out on Deshaun Watson, also uh, going to draft a quarterback. It was they were. I am, I am fairly certain that that would have happened, that he was on their radar there. But we, uh, we may never know. We may never know. I, I'm going to close with this. Like, there's these people like Stefanski bros. Like, there's these, these defenders. I'm not here to tell you Stefanski's going to be perfect and work out. I don't know, but what I do know is I want to give him a fair timeline. That's all I'm asking. It's really all I'm asking is to give him a year with Deshaun and and give him a chance to change the coordinator because you know this this good coaches do this. They figure it out by adjusting who runs the other side of because if you're a play caller, you are very invested in the other side of the football, like you are on your side, extremely invested and you need somebody to lead that other side. You just do. So, um, listen, I'm, I'm here to like Jordan just said a minute ago, and I've talked to the OBR guys about this. I believe Kevin can get it right. I really do. I think it's bluntly obvious the issue with this team and when the changes they have to make, which I've laid out here, if they fail to change, defensive coordinators in between this season. I will have a problem. I will be vocal about it and I will lose a lot of faith in what the direction of this whole thing looks like because they need to change the voice on that side of the football. I care a little less about special teams because in general special teams is like the net positive negative. You want better there, but like it really doesn't move the needle all too much, but I'm here to say I would be more, I'm more than happy and I would like to move on from prefer but I get they maybe don't want to move two pieces of that large portion of the, the three-headed uh, you know, coordinatorship play caller side to, 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 to do it in one offseason. So my, my general thought here is two things happen. I am, I am not sitting here to say Kevin Stefanski sits on a throne and I will never call for his job. Like, I try to be balanced in all of this, and I was that way with Mayfield. I was that way until it reached a point where I could no longer believe it or buy into it or sell people on it anymore. It was. It just got very clear. Um, and again, I was a staunch believer in me. I was draft him, big believer. So I could have stood my ground until the very end. There are people who have done that. I, I, I'm not doing that. I try to stay as as uh, as objective in this thing as I possibly can. If we go through the offseason, they don't change DCs. I'm going to have a big problem with it. And then if they go into next year and there's a lot of the same problems and there's a lot of issues on offense, yeah, his job will be in jeopardy and it'll be fair to get to that point. But I think you've got to give him a full year and you cannot sit here and tell me that these four games mean everything. That's not true, no. man. It's not true. Remember, it's not true. The, you just have to look in Brown's recent history. Remember when they won three straight games to close out the season under Eric Mangini and everybody was like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, of course. Me- like, we want to see progress. Nothing. No, yes, of course. Like, we want to see progress. That's 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 but a, that that's whole obvious. thing is is like, you know, to put weight on when your team's not really in it and the Browns I think right now have a less than 1% chance of making the playoffs. Like it is you just have to look at like what happened to that Eric Mangini team the following season. Like those wins meant nothing, you know. They were not in so I just, yeah, you just kind of laugh like what people decide is important and what's not. But saying like this, these next four games is somehow an audition for next season is uh, is something else, man. But uh, you've got hey, a quarterback you know, who, is, who is telling you, "I'm not there yet." Like I'm not. Yeah, who's saying I am yet. bad right now? 
Yeah, who knows he's got to get it all figured out. And you're going to tell me that this commander's defense, good. Saints defense, good. Uh, Pittsburgh at home, tough to go there and beat that offense. Baltimore coming in, good defense. You're going to tell me that everything hinges on Kevin figuring out how to take a beat-up offensive line, a quarterback trying to figure it out again, trying to switch up some schemes. Amari's hip is busted. You're going to tell me everything rides on these four games? That's that's just nonsense to me. It's just nonsense. I can never get behind that. So, listen, we've been clear here. 23 is when everything points to everything. is Chips are all in. But excuses yep. for different timeline adjustments that have had to happen because of Mayfield's failures or not realizing the D.C. was not who he was supposed to be. It's all off the table. Everything in 23 is all in. So people in the middle in late 2023, your jobs are on the line if you're not getting it done. But you have to step back and peel back the layers of all of this right now. I feel like we've done that. I've told you when my stuff with Stefanski will be like, I'm nervous about. I don't see it. They need to fire him. I've told you about it. This offseason that starts. Got to make a move at D.C. They're having the same issues next year. We can have those discussions. But for now, you've got to give it a chance to see what it looks like when they're all together. So. I don't know. I hope we've clarified some of those things. I'm not sitting and I've told you I've been open. My Stefanski confidence has wavered. I've moved down the line of believing this guy is a slam dunk AFC North stalwart for the next 20 years like Tomlin and Harbaugh. But I do still believe there's a lot of great here that can be tapped into. If they get the, the surroundings right, it can still be done. We didn't even touch on Andrew Barry. That's maybe for another day. But like, I think yeah. that this is pretty laid out now. We don't really need to hit on it again. And I hope that People understand, too, if you want the Browns to win four games the rest of the way, guess what's going to have to be pretty good? The Browns defense. And if the Browns defense is really good the rest of the way, guess what makes it an even harder decision in the offseason? D coordinator yep. moving. So just, you know, and what is it two in one hand, three in the other or some stupid quote like that? You, you got to be careful <laughs> what you wish for here, man. I don't I don't put a ton of weight into these four games. I, there are aspects of it I want to see with the Sean and how they do some things, but. These four games don't change what I feel is going to be the, the timeline for things that need to be right for 23 and the and the all-in nature and vibe of what 23 will be for Kevin. That's just me, though. Yeah, what if they uh, what if they shut out? What if they pitch a shutout four straight games? We keep in Joe Woods or what, baby? That's that's the thing that <laughs> we'll be talking about, imagine? right? I know, I, that's, I know. That, but you want to win these four games, and they matter so much. And Okay, so you want to lose these. What if they lose these four games? 41 to 39 like okay that's good for you you're happy because the offense looks good and now we solved it all we got rid of joe woods okay yeah. like i just i don't know it's it's i get it expectations and you wanted to win and i and i understand you're frustrated they've left games on the table but man please step back and analyze what you have why the decisions were made about what you have and the timeline for a reasonable removal of not just the dc that we're now seeing I think the evidence is there, but then you will have evidence in 23 if you really think Kevin should be gone. Not just your emotional evidence, but tangible evidence that, that takes out all reasonable doubt for some things. I, 23 is wildly important. It's wildly important for a lot of different directions of where this whole thing goes, but you, you really can't do those things right now. You just can't. I, I just think it would be bananas, Jordan. We'll close with that. Yep. Nope. I agree with you. I mean, we're, we're very much on the same page and you know, I, I guess you could, people would be like, oh, you're Stefanski apologist. Like you said, it's like, I don't even think this is a defense. This is just mostly a viewing of like the body of work and yeah. what it should get Kevin. And that to me is it should get and a Kevin timeline of when a timeline. Of, yeah. And a timeline of when yeah. we will be there. Right. Uh, in terms of yeah. can't support it. Here's why. I just think right now you're rushing something and you're just getting antsy for change for change sake. And there's no reason for that. So listen, dude, great talk. We went an hour. We wanted to go like a half hour. We went an hour. So of course, long winded uh, individuals on podcast. We appreciate you though, man. Good talk. And uh, we'll catch up with you when you're Cleveland Brown next week. I will be, I'll be, uh, we'll be in the same time zone. It'll be great. We'll, you know, opening presents together, wearing Santa hats. It'll be beautiful. Love it. Pajama family pictures. Can't wait to see them. It's all going to be in play. <laughs> All right, he's Jordan. I'm Jake. We appreciate you stopping by today's episode. Check out his article linked in this bio uh, for the episode. Check that out. Make sure to take advantage of that OBR promo code, 100 bucks FanDuel. Do that. But above all else, have a great Thursday. And stay above the, the nonsensical conversation about Kevin Stefanski. Time will come. That time is not right now. So anyway, guys, listen, have a great Thursday. We appreciate you. Check out the OBR. Go around.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.